Hello, this is Craig Harper. I'm the Executive Director for the Professional Association of Georgia Educators. And today we're talking about the Educator COVID-19 Impact Survey that Paige put out recently. And we've analyzed a lot of the data that's come in from that. And so I'm joined by two of our members and legislative staff to talk about our analysis of the survey results. So joining me is our Director of Legislative Affairs, Margaret Ciccarelli. Hi, y'all. And our Senior Policy Analyst, Claire Suggs. Hi, I'm so glad to be here with you both today. Thank you both for joining us. I'm really looking forward to sharing with our members and others uh, what we found out from our members. So first off, I guess, Margaret, what inspired the survey? Claire and I were, as you might expect, deeply enmeshed in our work representing educators and public education at the state legislature. Um, when the General Assembly came to a very abrupt halt due to the coronavirus crisis, the session suspended, and like many Georgians and listeners here, Claire and I immediately began sheltering in place with our school-age children and spouses. Those first few days were so challenging. Uh, we were juggling our elderly parents, our children's remote schooling, and the critical professional work that we and our spouses do. Uh, she and I discussed those challenges um, both between each other and with the Page Legislative and Legal Departments, and we realized it was profoundly impacting every family served in Georgia schools and profoundly impacting the educators uh, who were serving those families. From that, the survey was born as we tried to get a better handle on the impact and how we could do things better. We got that out pretty quickly after you all decided that this would be a good tool to really learn from our educators what was happening with them because we we switched to that distance learning and uh, everything that we were doing with school closure so quickly. Who took the survey once we got that out and what kind of response did we get? We were amazed that over 15,500 educators across the state participated in our survey. We had classroom teachers who comprised the bulk of participants, but also administrators, other members of the educational support team, and staff members, classified staff in schools also participated. We had a roughly equal representation across grade bands with slightly more participation in upper elementary uh, grades, and two-thirds of the respondents to the survey work in Title I schools in Georgia. All right, so that's a pretty broad-based response, uh, much much uh, higher response rate than we typically have for the surveys that we put out. Indeed. Claire, if you would talk to us a little bit about how educators feel about that uh, quick pivot, as Margaret mentioned. Well, it was certainly a, a big switch um, and a very quick one, as, as you both have noted. I think what, what is clear in this survey very broadly is that educators are deeply committed to making this work for their kids. Um, they are working very hard. You know, we got a lot of feedback about collaboration across subject areas and grade levels, people really just pouring themselves into making this work which is really exciting and encouraging. But at the same time, it's been a challenge for a lot of our educators. It is, as you both have noted, a large switch. Um, even if you're using technology, uh, it's different to go from, you know, having it as a tool in the classroom to now using it full time um, with your children who are not in the same building even. You know, you're doing this um, online. So it's it's been for many of them a challenge. Um, and they talked about um, kind of learning as they are going and getting up to speed, but it is a process across our districts that people are adjusting to. Our educators really shared a lot of information about what those challenges have been. What are some of the, the key things that you've noted in their responses? 
the greatest challenge that that educators shared with us was the access to online platforms for their students. And this is both access to devices. So there may be situations in which students simply don't have a device that they can use. It may be that they have one, but they're sharing it with their parents. They're sharing it with siblings. So that just having the appropriate tool is a challenge. At the same time, some students, many students have issues with internet connectivity. In fact, it was about a third of our educators in total, our teachers said that this issue alone, just the access to online platforms and to online learning um, is a real challenge for them. Other issues that, that came up include converting their lessons to an online learning format, something that works very well in your classroom setting uh, where you have great engagement and kids are really excited, may look very different online. And making that switch is a challenge. About 20% of our classroom teachers said that was the greatest challenge that they faced. The one other issue that came up was, while there are many, many online resources, it, it can be difficult to find one or several that are really appropriate for your grade level or for your subject area. So, for example, um, a foreign language, that was uh, one of the one of the subject areas in which people said it's hard for t- to find high quality. Um, and I want to stress high quality online resources. Um, so those are just a few of the things that people said were were challenging to them. One of the things that you talked to me about that uh, made an impression on me is just how this extended the workday. People may think that it's a little bit different, but a little bit easier for an educator to kind of deal with things and maybe they can shut it off at some point. But in reality, what's happening is they're getting a lot of individual interaction from those students and then the parents who are trying to support those students. What did you find out related to that? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, That is definitely something that we heard back from a lot of educators, um, both because the kind of multiple issues is we have kids kind of connecting at various times. I was talking with um, a high school teacher this morning, in fact, and she was saying that a lot of her students um, are logging, logging on in the evening hours. So after 9 p.m. at night, and they're sending questions and submitting materials then, and she wants to be responsive. It's important to engage kids when they are involved in in the activities. Um, So definitely that's an issue. Another issue, as you said, is connecting with parents. Um, One of the challenges has been that parents just aren't familiar with the different uh, um, online tools and platforms that, that educators are using. So they have a learning curve. You know, they're getting home from work, those who are still working outside the home or even if it's during the day. Um, and they're trying to figure out what these different tools are. And there may be multiple tools and platforms um, even within the same district. So an elementary school may be approaching instruction one way, but the middle school is doing it different. So parents are trying to figure out both ways of, of engaging and supporting their students. And they're coming to teachers with a lot of questions. Um, and again, they're often asking these questions after the normal workday because that's when they have time to sit down with their children. And I know educators are accustomed to working a good bit in the evening, getting ready for lessons the next day or doing homework, but this has been a, a just a whole nother level of interaction after a typical workday. Yes. 
that some districts were much more prepared for this than others, and some had learning management platforms and they were already accustomed to providing at least some lessons online, and others had nothing for uh, their educators because they had not really thought through what was going to happen or just hadn't had the opportunity to do that. So educators really are discovering what works best for me in my situation, whether it's Google Drive or so many of the other host of things that people can use, but they're kind of making this up as they go, which makes it even more difficult. Oh, definitely. That's that's another um, really important point to make is that districts were in different places when this happened. Some were better prepared, um, had already kind of integrated it into their their normal work plan. Um, but others, as you said, really were caught. I don't know if it's fair to say caught off guard, but but it, it's been a bigger lift, definitely, in some of our some of our districts. And so we know quite a bit because we've seen media reports and other things. And, and we, it's kind of uh common knowledge that teachers are doing the best they can for students, but but school districts have other missions. They do a lot of other things for students and communities. So what other kinds of things are going on in school districts? Because we, we got responses from from other staff as well, not just teachers. Yeah. And this is one of the just, I guess, most encouraging and most heartening things. Not only are our educators across the state really working hard to support children academically, they're continuing to support them um, in as many ways as as they normally do. So, you know, one of the things that, that has been lifted up um, is continuing to provide school nutrition. Um, we have a lot of families that rely on school breakfasts and school lunches and educators you know, across the state, districts across the state are really working hard to make sure that kids are getting food. Um, They're also, though, continuing to provide services like um, access to school counselors and social workers. You know, as I was going through the responses from that group of of district employees, it was clear that they were continuing their emailing families and children. They are calling them, you know, trying to maintain those connections that are so critical, especially at a time right now when it's hard to even be in the same or we can't even be in the same room with each other. Um, so they're really reassuring and encouraging those families in this difficult time. And I know some of those districts that may not have as much connectivity as others are even using their school transportation departments to bring food and instructional materials out into the community. Yes. And, uh, I know there's just a lot of innovation and creativity going on because educators are so concerned about following through with their students. And we're seeing that in so many ways. Oh, definitely. As as the uh, educator I spoke with this morning, um, as we were wrapping up our conversation, and she she said, you know, at, at the end of the day, this is about the children, um, and I think that's what all of our educators, you know, are holding close. This is about serving children well. So, Margaret, I want to bring you back in on this this question because that uh, wanting to serve students well, but also wanting to take care of of your own family and your own own needs. Uh, what have you seen about what educators feel about juggling all their home responsibilities and, and their professional life at the same time? It's quite a challenge. I don't think I've ever been prouder of both my own children's teachers as well as the educators in the state who responded to our survey. It's clear that they're juggling a lot at home while they have quickly pivoted to provide remote instruction. We mentioned earlier that about half of the survey respondents are caring for children within the home in addition to 
delivering instruction to their students remotely, but they're also dealing with issues that all of us are, like how to get supplies for, and including food and groceries to their homes, how to get the health care that they need during this time. So all of that is playing out against the backdrop of this quick move to remote instruction that educators have really committed themselves to. And thank you for that, Margaret. And, and Claire, there was another uh, finding that kind of had not occurred to me before, too, that uh, even educators who who typically might have more resources than other families, they're home trying to do their work, plus they may have a spouse who's home who's trying to do their work online. And then they have their own children who are also trying to do their work online to meet their teachers' expectations and continue their learning. And so there is just this... Um, overwhelming need for whatever technology they may have in their house. And it's tough to get all that done. Oh, it is. It is. There were um, several educators who wrote about um, sharing their their own device that they need to provide instruction with their children um, and and sometimes also with spouses. So having to rotate it, um, you know, is is definitely um, a challenge. Um, and and it may be, you know, we have we have educators, um, you know, some of whom one one wrote in and said her husband is a law enforcement officer. And so he is continuing to to do this vitally important job, um, and she is she is home sharing devices and supporting her kids. So it it um, our educators are are really stretched right now um, um, as as they're doing this this important work. So Claire, what do educators feel their own districts are doing well that they would want to share with others? Um, well, one of the things, and we've already uh, mentioned it, but their support for school nutrition and making sure that children have the the food that they need, um, that, that was something that a number of our educators highlighted. They also talked about um, where they're having great communication from their building and district leaders and how important that was, um, even if there was... Uh, you know, times when, when they didn't have the specific answers that educators wanted, the fact that they were continuing to circle back and connect to educators, you know, having, having those leaders just staying in touch is really important. And in fact, one wrote about, um, and this is a smaller district, so it's where possible in a smaller district, but the superintendent in this district is calling every teacher in the district just to touch base with them and make sure, you know, that they're doing okay. And that's the kind of thing um, that really conveys a lot of appreciation and support for for teachers. Um, and it was clearly making a difference for, for this educator. And I, I think those are those are some of the things, you know, the communication and support from district and and building leaders has really made a difference. And I don't we didn't ask this question in the survey, but I know from uh, listening to conversations going on around the state and from what uh, Superintendent Wood said in a conference call this week, there's going to be a lot of kind of after action review of what all's happened this uh, uh, in this situation. And so districts are taking this very seriously about how they're going to um, finish up this year and then also already thinking about how do we transition into a new year? Um, with the circumstances we've been through, how do we support staff and students as they come back? So uh, I know every district is going to look at what they've done well, what they could do better, what their challenges are, and do their best to address that in the coming weeks and months. Are there any other important takeaways we've not talked about that you'd like to share? Yeah, I just wanted to touch on the issue of when we go back to school. You just mentioned that school districts will be assessing 
what they did well, what work needs to be done. And all of that will be framed within the context of what the public health crisis enables us to do. Will we have to continue remote instruction or restart remote instruction after some break during the summer? Or we'll be able to get back together in person. To the issue of coming back together in person, which is, I think, what we all want and what would be best for the education community, we had a lot of responses expressing concern about when it will be safe to do that and what types of employees feel regarding you know pressures to get back together. It was interesting to note that if when we broke down the survey data regarding job roles within the school community that paraprofessionals were particularly concerned about whether or not it was going to be safe to come back to school. And that's probably due to their higher than average, based on the survey, the survey average, their higher than average rates of being a more vulnerable health population, being high risk for coronavirus uh, complications or living with somebody who's high risk. So I think this issue of uh, when we come back to school and what the public health situation is at that time, we've gotten some kind of preliminary but important survey indicators that that is really important to Georgia educators to ensure that they and their students are safe. Yeah, that's a good point. There was a lot of concern expressed. And at the time, uh, we had not had school closure for the remainder of the year, but there was a lot of concern about how are we going to handle coming back. And even though it's months from now, I think there's going to be a lot of ongoing conversations about that. Claire, you had something to add to that? Um, I think one of the other things, um, and this was in the written responses, we didn't ask a question that was specific to this, but again, looking ahead, one of the the questions that educators have is kind of the, the budgetary concerns as they're thinking about the larger kind of context that, that we're all in right now, and that that's just a question mark. And, and there's just a lot of uncertainty uh, among them and, and, you know, that we have about how the state moves forward on some of these different things. And people very much understand that that it's just going to take time for things to unfold. And there is a lot of just when they're doing their own work, kind of, I guess, grace that they're giving each other as because they're they're making it up as they go along to some degree. And and we are as well. But but there are some there are some concerns as they look forward to to the next school year about about what that holds. So we've been talking about what schools are thinking about in the future. Uh, So what. Margaret, are we thinking about doing as we move forward with these survey results and all these these responses and this great information that our members have shared with us? What do, what do we do with that next? Well, first and foremost, we want to share with our members what they said. We always think we need to do our members the courtesy of telling them how they responded to surveys and thanking them. So any listener to this podcast that participated in the survey, thank you. Let's clearly communicate that. But also, please look for Claire's excellent report, which is almost completed now, um, to our membership. There will be several media reports on the survey as well. We know the AJC is working on a story and the AP and others may do so as well. But one of the other really important future uses of both the survey itself and the report that Claire is working on is advocacy to policymakers. 
We need to share with them what remote instruction and the challenges caused by coronavirus looked like for educators across the state, both in urban and rural communities, and for different types of educators, particularly special education educators who have had a particularly challenging time. One of the other very areas that's ripe for advocacy from PAGE and from our members is federal action uh, to support internet connectivity, particularly in rural communities, since this survey indicated there is such a divide in urban and rural schools and families that they serve. And remote instruction would be made much easier if more families had access to the internet. I would just want to echo um, the thanks that both of you have already extended. Um, you know, this we, we sent it out in the very first week of remote instruction and people took the time and and really shared their insights and their experiences. It's really is meaningful and helps us do our job better. So thank you for the for the time and the effort that you invested in it. We will move forward with it in the best way possible. Yeah, I think there's some some important next steps that we're going to be able to take, and it's going to be based on the data uh, and the analysis of these answers, uh, responses that we got from our members, and it, it has been critical to hear from them, and we are very appreciative of them to take it, taking the time, and they put a lot of effort into this. It takes a lot more to respond to open-ended questions the way that our members did than it is to simply click a, a multiple-choice kind of response, and they they shared with us what was going on with them, and it's it's deeply appreciated by us. To our listeners, we appreciate you joining us. And to Margaret and Claire, thank you for sharing the analysis from these uh, these responses that we've gotten. And I know we'll continue to gather information and share information with all of our stakeholders so that we can make the best decisions possible for children all over the state. So thank you all and have a great day.